Hey y'all, welcome back to a Tuesday, June 14th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, hour one of the program kicking off in just one second with the NFL Network's Bucky Brooks. Uh, it was an absolute delight to be able to talk to Bucky on today's edition of the program. Uh, Bucky was great and gave me so much of his time to talk about the NFL, the NFL draft, Ritter, the Jaguars and Trayvon Walker, um, scouting as a whole, uh, Mahomes and Allen and where uh, or why that was difficult at the time to scout and figure out how some of these quarterbacks are going to pop and develop over the years um, Tua and what he's looking at going in this year and even some some fun uh, Tennessee and North Carolina banter between uh, a Tennessee and a UNC guy so Bucky was uh, awesome on our one here on today's edition of the Chase Most podcast so three-parter today uh, we have uh, Jamie on Christian formerly of George Washington and then uh, we have Evan Swords of for an Irish hub and um eric crocker of locked on nfl draft and locked on 49ers so jam-packed show for you guys today a lot of nfl on this tuesday edition of the chase most podcast here on the blue wire pod network go check out all the other great shows across the blue wire pod network including uh the long shot with um duncan robinson we got green light with chris long we've got spinsters with Haley o'shaughnessy and jordan liggins just uh insight with chris van fleet a awesome awesome rolodex here on the chase Thomas podcast uh here on the blue wire pod network so go check out all the other great shows across blue wire pods even uh road tripping with channing fry and richard jefferson all right in one place bluewirepods.com uh don't forget you can check this uh episode and all of our other video content over on youtube youtube.com t- uh slash backslash i think it's backslash uh chase Thomas podcast and uh just hit that subscribe button and like our video share them out all that good stuff um, you can read me at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Again, you can check me out at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type in your email. That easy. That simple. Go ahead and take care of that today. You can always email this program, chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer. All right. Uh, hour one with NFL Network's Bucky Brooks coming up in just one second. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Monday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, taping this on a Monday, late on a Monday, uh, with NFL Network's Bucky Brooks. Bucky. The pro of having you on this podcast is I get to learn a lot about football. The con is I don't get to listen to this. This is my show. So I listen to you on Move the Sticks, and I listen to all your different uh, podcasts and NFL shows that you pop on, and I always learn something. That's one of the the pitfalls of having smart people on this podcast is that I just, I'm the one doing the podcast. (laughs) I don't know how smart I am, but I try and do what I can. How you doing? How's everything? I'm doing pretty well, man. Doing pretty well. Very, very excited. Uh, kind of surreal to have you on this program, but I appreciate you making the time today. Um, how is your summer going? How is uh, how is life for you post draft? Do you take a lot of time to kind of uh, recharge your batteries? What do you, what is your summers like post draft? Not you know like the way the NFL calendar works. Um, mm-hmm. Not really a big off season. So you go from the draft to then talking about what's going on with mini camps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you start preparing for training camp. And then once you get to training camp, it's on. And so mm. 
it's kind of a year-round deal. And because I live in what I would call two football worlds, one is the NFL world where guys are already in the pros. You're talking about how they're playing as pros. And then the NFL draft world where you're beginning to project how people will play as pros, it's always going. And so from an NFL draft standpoint, you're beginning to look at the guys who could be the notable names in 2023 mm-hmm. and begin to get a good feel for who's who and what's what in that class. So do you give yourself any time off after the draft? Is there any break period? Do you go on vacation? Do you uh, just yeah, no I mean, football like you, watching? Yeah, no, no, no. You take, I mean, you take some time and, and yeah. you do that kind of stuff to make sure that you're not, um, I would say, kind of like uh, burnt out on yeah. football when it comes time. But you kind of want to stay on and just kind of know what's going on, what's the best way to go about um, looking at who are the next stars of the mm-hmm. league while also studying the league to kind of see who's playing and why they're playing to help you kind of better assess how the guys will project at the next level. Have you watched any college baseball? Did you watch the UNC run over the weekend? I did watch UNC. I said the mm-hmm. run is over. Arkansas, it seemed the SEC was dominant except for us. So you're all down in creamsicle orange and yeah. all that the, uh, <laughs> volunteers went down to Notre Dame. So Brutal. that was a, that was a tough one, particularly because they were the number one overall seed yes. in the tournament. Um, I say this to you uh, mm-hmm. as a dad who has a son who plays college baseball at San Jose State. So I have okay. paid more attention to college baseball this go around as he was mm-hmm. finishing up his freshman year. Man, it was it was rough. Uh, but it, there's a reason that only one team's won the national titles and number one overall seed since 1999. It's just baseball's different. It's not like football where I tell folks where I'm like, this team was like Alabama for most Saban years. And if this is a college football format where you just have to win one or two playoff games like this baseball team's a national title but it's just baseball is weird it's so hard to win that many series in a row it's just it's unlikely but man the thing i've learned in the last 24 hours is tennessee ruffled a lot of feathers because a lot of folks on twitter and social media have really really reveled in their loss and man i just that tells me that Tennessee was good for the sport, that a lot of people were tuning in because they did not want to see Tennessee advance, but they were captivated by it. Like this team had a swagger and Hey, they had fun and these are good kids and uh, I, I hate it for them, but you know, baseball, it's good to have different kind of personalities and different kinds of way of going about things. I think. Oh, I didn't know. I, I felt like the entire SEC has um, is, is full of personalities. I saw yeah. Ole Miss play. A little bit. Arkansas knocked out my Tar Heels. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a chance to see uh, those teams play. And so I just kind of thought like the swag in the SEC, particularly in mm-hmm. baseball, is a little different than everything else. Because when you watch the games throughout the course of the year, mm-hmm. Friday night baseball is a big deal in the SEC. And I can't yep. say that it's the same everywhere else, not in terms of attendance, not in terms of like atmosphere, energy and all of that. Mm-hmm. It's just a little different. Like it means... It means a lot. It just means more, if you will. Some folks say it just means more. I can't can't fall into the slogan, but yeah, I mean, it's a little different. Yeah. Um, uh, It is what it is. But in terms of your Tar Heels, I mean, like, it's a pretty good program situation. You got Mac in Chapel Hill. You got the basketball program. Like, Hubert Davis is a home run replacement for Roy Williams. And you go to the national title, you run it back with Caleb Love and company. And now baseball, like, hey, making it hosting a super regional, like things are good. Like you're not an everything school like University of Tennessee, but y'all are getting there. Y'all are making oh, some progress. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I think I think because we ultimately win them. Because when I look yeah. at Carolina, I said well, women's lacrosse and so many other sports 
have been in the national title. Mm-hmm. Like going to the Final Four is kind of our deal when it comes to basketball. Yeah. One area where we still can pick it up and close ground would be football, but all other sports. Mm-hmm. Um, we're kind of national contenders. I know you guys have big stadiums and all mm-hmm. kinds of nice stuff and uniforms, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think y'all hoist trophies oh. often at all. Right. Like, well, we hosted two. Yeah. It was just the like, tournament trophies. We the, yeah, the SEC like, tournament trophies. That's what we're. And people say that the SEC tournament trophies are more important than the national. Oh, really? People forget. Yeah. People. People forget. But we uh, were the first team to win the SEC tournament in basketball and baseball in the same season uh, ever. So we did that uh, this year. Hey, baby uh, steps. Baby I steps, mean, Bucky. Baby steps. One day, one day you'll be on that Tario level where we start <laughs> putting all those big things up. Y'all can't just keep hanging banners for like division titles and stuff like that. You got to win the yeah. whole thing before you can put a banner up. You can't put banners up for little things. See, I wanted a banner up for scoring 17 on Georgia last year. Like I was in the building. Like <laughs> no, I wanted. <laughs> what are we talking about? Hey, man, uh, not many people could do that last year. And we uh, we had a lead against uh, Bama and Georgia uh, late later on. So, um. In terms of your reaction, one of my uh, I, I love reading your mocks. I love reading your NFL draft coverage, and you made a lot of waves uh, that you were right about because you did not have any quarterbacks in your first round of the NFL mm, mock, yeah. and only one goes. When you saw that, were you just like, "Folks, I'm telling you, this is not because I don't like these kids, or I'm trying to make a hot take. I'm trying to like cause a stir. It's just like this class, for whatever reason, just." I don't, they're not first round guys. Yeah, no, I mean, I think sometimes it's like that. And I think Mm. the the hardest thing about what I would say doing what it is that I do, like the media scouting thing is you're not affiliated with a team. And so, you know, a good bit of information about the players and how teams think, but it's it's different because I'm not affiliated with a team. I'm not necessarily grading for a team. So you're trying to keep that league wide perspective and thought on these players. And with the quarterback class, I think it was really, really uh, clear Mm. that, I don't know if there was a franchise quarterback, and I know we loosely put that term on any quarterback that appears to be a first-round talent, but I didn't think there were any guys that would kind of change the game or transcendent stars. And so when you're grading, and if you're a harsh grader like you should be Mm. when it comes to the draft, yeah, you just don't give away those first-round grades. And even though mock drafts are fun and they're very entertaining and those things, from an integrity standpoint, when it comes to scouting, you still got to grade guys based on how you see them and how you expect them to play. Mm. And I just didn't think that any of these guys were right now players that would come in and kind of sh- take the league by storm based on their talent. Do you think Pickett starts right away? Uh, I think, look, I think he's going to have to win the battle. Mm. Um, a lot of it will determine on how quickly he can, uh, you know, transition to the NFL. It's mm. a different game. The speed is different. Uh, the complexity of offense and defense is different. And so it may take him a little bit. But if it's close, the tie typically goes to the young quarterback. Mm. Um, I think it's really on him to close the gap with between himself and Mitch Trubisky and or Mason Rudolph. And so it'd be a great uh, conversation to have throughout training camp. Mm. I just think it'd be a hard and it'd be hard for him to be the starter week one. I think you're more likely to see him as a starting quarterback maybe by the middle of the season as opposed to the beginning of the season. Well, now that everyone got drafted and they landed in their spots, who do you think, if you had to guess, based on their situation and where they landed, is the most successful of the quarterbacks taken? Hmm. Um, it's tough. I think Desmond Ritter's in a really good situation in Atlanta. like to hear that. Because Arthur Smith um, does a really good job building things around the quarterback. He has a ready-made muse in front mm. of him and 
Marcus Mariota that he can look and kind of pattern his game after he can watch how he studies. He can watch how Marcus leads the team, how he gets uh, the team in and out of bad situations and take some of that. Mm. And then I think eventually they will certainly put some weapons around him that will allow him to function uh, at a high level. I think he was a kid that a lot of people started liking later in the process mm. because when you look at the total amount of stars that he had, the numbers that he put up at Cincinnati, how he led Cincinnati into the final four or mm. the college football playoff, a lot of that stuff matters. And I think his overall intangible set gives him a chance to be very, very successful as a pro. That's cool. I was not expecting that. I'm I'm a fan. I we have the nicest quarterback room. Like Dez and uh, Marcus seem like just the nicest dudes. So I'm glad we're as hard as it's going to be moving on from Matt Ryan. Uh, it seems like the quarterback uh, situation is in good hands uh, going forward. Um, which draft did you like the most this year, and which draft did you not like the most? Mm, that is tough. Which one did I like the most? There were a ton. I would say. Mm. Um, I like what Jacksonville did, uh, hmm. even though it was a little off the grid early. People were maybe being hypercritical over the selection of Trayvon Walker. I think when you go back and look at how they put the pieces of the puzzle together, I think you would say that they were very successful, particularly you only can great trade graphs like the early rounds, right? Because mm-hmm. most teams are expecting the early round picks to be able to make immediate impact. So Trayvon Walker being a stand-up outside linebacker, I understand it. I didn't understand why until after talk to the people afterwards. He was the pick because he could stand up athletically and do the things that they want a stand-up linebacker to do. They didn't feel like they could get the same stuff with Aiden Hutchinson. Devin so it's kind Lloyd of like an Alden Smith type thing? Uh, similar. Uh, yeah. Similar. They felt like he could stand up and be like a heavy-handed edge rusher that could dominate against the run and maybe develop into uh, a very productive pass rusher. Hmm. He then followed up with Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma, being able to give them uh, a couple second-level players that can make it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Jaguars feel really, really good about what they did. I think the Baltimore Ravens are another team that you have to talk about. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, Tyler Lindenbaum, uh, just going down the list of names. They typically do a good job of hitting on blue chip players. And I think mm-hmm. if you just look at the recipe and formula, that first round just in and of itself puts them in a situation where they should be vastly improved going into the season. Was there one draft that you still, now that you've had some time to think about it, that you still just like, I just don't know why they went that route, or I think I, I think that could have gone differently, or I would have done it differently? Uh, look, man, it, it's tough because drafts are like snowflakes. And yeah. unless you understand like really the, the purpose or the plan, the big plan that they have, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. I think naturally everyone was kind of uh, questioning Cole Strange going early. Yeah. in the draft when he went with the New England Patriots. But I remember a couple of years ago, the Patriots did this with a, a guy named Logan Mankins, and Logan Mankins right. was a rock-solid player for them for a long time. And so I think for us on the outside, unless you're kind of privy to a here's the bigger plan, here's why we're mm-hmm. thinking to take this player now, you don't know. But I do have a bit of a wait-and-see on the New England Patriots. Let's wait and see what this looks like in a couple of years. Did they really hit on it or did mm-hmm. they miss on it? I like it. Over the years that you've been covering the draft, has there been one draft that stands out to you the most hard, most difficult for you to kind of get a good feel for? Was it this one or was it one in the past that you were like, man, this is taking some time. I really don't know how I feel about a lot of these guys at this point. Uh, I think this one. I think the last okay. two years have been, have been challenging. Uh, last year, because of the COVID situation, you couldn't mm-hmm. get out on the road. You couldn't really see who you wanted to see. Sometimes you couldn't get the numbers that you wanted to have for the workouts. And those things. And so that 
makes it hard to complete the puzzle when you don't have all the necessary parts. Uh, this year, though, it was hard because I felt like it was a, a deep and talented draft, but I don't think it was necessarily uh, loaded at the top. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to kind of give guys grades or push guys up the board before they've kind of earned it or they deserve mm-hmm. it. And so that made this very, very challenging. And this draft also lacked what I would call premier star power. Mm-hmm. And in a quarterback-driven league, when you don't have that star at the top of the board, changes how everyone views the draft. Do you think it's going to be different next year? Uh, I mean, I think so. But I think we always feel optimistic about next year's class mm-hmm. until we have an opportunity to see him play. And so right now, I feel great about him. I feel great about C.J. Stroud. Uh, I think there's some intrigue on some of the other quarterbacks, including Bryce Young. But until we really get a chance to see them play, until we're able to put them under the scope, mm-hmm. it's all speculation, you know, which is all yeah. talk. Absolutely. Um, what do you enjoy most about covering the draft and covering prospects? Uh, look, man, I think it's the competitive guessing game. Um, hmm. I think it's trying to figure out, okay, how do I evaluate them? Where would I put them? Do they mm-hmm. go around where I would put them? Mm-hmm. Now, how do we play with them? How do we put them in a position to we've taken them, but how can we get them going? I think for me, the draft um, kind of encompasses all of those things. Like not mm-hmm. only looking at like, hey, here's what I see the player. Here's how he could be. Oh, this is the team that takes him. This is how they plan to use him. This is the fit um, or the void that he will feel great. I like it, but I don't have that. And so mm-hmm. we're just kind of waiting and seeing, okay, let's see what this plays out in two or three years. Let's revisit this list that you had and see where we were wrong, where we were right, and how we can learn from those lessons. What is the biggest scouting difference that you and DJ have between the two of you? Uh, let's see. Biggest scouting difference. Uh, I think we see the game similarly, mm-hmm. but different. I think our own experiences will allow us to have some differences in the way we grade and the way we evaluate. Mm-hmm. Um, he comes from, you know, a background where he was in uh, Baltimore. He yeah. was in Cleveland. He was in Philadelphia. Also a quarterback. You know, he was also a quarterback. Yeah, so yeah. He, those things will impact your vision and how you grade. I played um, five different teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned scouting biz uh, from descendants of Ron Wolf, which was a lot of prototypical traits, uh, high production, being able to project how you would fit by being able to give like real tangible examples. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a little different. We did everything really off the tape. Um, that is a grind, but it's a lot um, to me. It enables me to feel confident about how I view people based on looking at the film because the film is ultimately the player's DNA. And so, um, look, man, I think we're more similar than different, but I think mm. having debates are good because what it does is it makes both parties check how they went through the process and just kind of reorder um, what they liked, what they didn't like, and then kind of put it all together again. I like it. Um, as a player, when you did you always want to do media? Did you always have a plan to kind of get into scouting or do media post-playing days, or did you not think about it as much when you were playing? Uh, I didn't really think about it as much. You know, mm. I thought my plan was going to be a high school teacher and coach, go back to my hometown and kind of do mm. it that way. I uh, was intrigued by scouting as I played longer in the league. Mm. I was fortunate to have uh, great people that were willing to share. Uh, I talked about my time with the Green Bay Packers in terms of being a descendant of, of Ron Wolf, but all of those guys up under the tree, John Snyder, Scott McLuhan, Ted Thompson, 
uh, Mike Hogan was the coach at the time when I was a player. Well, they all went to Seattle together. And so mm -hmm. they provided me with an opportunity to get on board and learn as an area scout. And then going to Carolina later and working under John Fox and Marty Herney, Tony Softly, uh, got a chance to see it in a different way. And so mm -hmm. you take those two ways as a scout. You take five different teams that have different philosophies but were successful in their own right, meld all of that together, and then go with a college coach and – Mac Brown, who's at the College Football Hall of Fame, because he was able mm -hmm. to win a certain way. You take all of those football experiences, and I think you begin to have a good feel for what A-level players look like, what championship teams look like, and then you just kind of hold people to that standard. Um, and maybe people will kind of deem you to be worthy enough being able to be an expert at a mm -hmm. certain position or at a certain field when it comes to the draft. Interesting. Uh, do you find that you have more fulfillment coaching playing or doing media what have you found the most fulfillment in mm, let's see most fulfillment um well coaching you get the immediate reaction the instant gratification mm -hmm. there's a result you take this on friday night you see what it looks like mm. you go on um scouting is a longer play uh, mm. you feel good about a player but it may take two or three years before that player pops and you're able to do that. i told you so mm. um is different. I think a, a lot of scouting for me is the fascination with putting together the jigsaw puzzle. Hmm. Um, how do you put it together? How do you put it together successfully? If you do put it together successfully, can you do it all over again? When do you break the mold and the model? Uh, when are the things necessary that you have to have? Like all of that other stuff is just kind of putting it all together. Mm -hmm. um, the writing, the media part is different because it's smaller segments smaller sample sizes just a different way of looking at it uh looking more of a bird's eye view as opposed to deep in the woods and so mm -hmm. it's it's just different um but i enjoy it a ton i enjoy writing about it i enjoy talking about it on podcasts and tv um it's just one of those things just really really lucky and fortunate to be able to talk about a game that you that i love so much um and have people want to listen to in my opinion What's your writing process like? Do you have uh, a day, like, do you have to write in the same spot? Do you have, that uh, you have to have a certain kind of coffee? Do you have to mm. write at a certain time every day? What's your process like? Uh, it's all different. Hmm. You know, it's all different. Uh, I wish I could say that I had this long, thought out, drawn out process. I do have a little bit of a process. It uh -huh. starts with an outline, uh, taking the subject matter, putting a few um, bullets, bullet yeah. points down, uh, trying to figure out how I want to get to it, what angle do I want to take on it. And then it's a lot of research on the fly mm. um, while putting it all together. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's a very inexact science when it comes mm. to kind of building it together. But I've kind of developed my own system for how I need to get it done. Mm. And it's worked for me. So I just kind of keep sticking with it. What's the hardest position to scout for? What have you found that's just the hardest? Uh, offensive line can be hard because it's just not mm. a natural position. Like what makes a good one? What makes a bad one? Is a guy on the ground a ton? Is he not? Um, that kind of stuff. You know, uh, I think what you're trying to do is you're not only trying to figure out what they are as athletes, mm. what are they as players, and how much potential do they have left to maximize their peak potential. Interesting. I was not expecting offensive line as the most difficult. What do you think people get wrong most about scouting? What have you found most people get wrong? That mock drafts are scouting <laughs> and it's not. Um, mock drafts are uh, exercises where mm. you are supposed to take maybe what you hear 
Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if I could play scout for a day, what I think we would, mm-hmm. as opposed to a how he feels. What I really feel is, if you ask me to rank players, a I mm-hmm. rank him one twenty five, one to fifty, one to six, whatever. Like that is a true assessment on what I think of a player. A mock draft is me guessing what another team would do. Mm-hmm. It's not a true read. And so the one thing that I wish I could convey when people always ask me when you're on radio or whatever, like, hey, in your latest mock draft, you had this. Like, great, but that's not necessarily how I view mm-hmm. these players. You want to talk about players? Let's put the players up there, the profiles. Let's have that conversation as opposed to what I'm actually Is there one player uh, over the years that you were just like, I, I completely miss this. I did not see this coming whatsoever. Uh, I mean, I think, look, I think everybody, the majority of people might have missed on Josh Allen. But I would say, too, Josh mm-hmm. Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, normally you don't see Sandlot players have success in the league. Mm. Normally you have to put it in practice as a collegian for you to be able to put it, you know, on the, on the floor in, in game. So you've got to yeah. be able to see the production. You've got to be able to see the accuracy and the ball placement and all the other stuff. And looking at both of those guys, mm. Josh Allen first, look, man, he was woefully inaccurate. And I know people say like, Hey, he paid with a bunch of accountants and, uh, plumbers and those things. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you still expect to see the ball hit within the strike zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, with him, didn't see a lot. Didn't see a lot of that. Mm-hmm. That makes it, you know, it kind of makes it tough from that standpoint. Patrick Mahomes, very similar. Sandlot player, a guy that was doing incredible stuff at Texas Tech, but we just had never seen anybody rein that in. Mm-hmm. And so could Andy Reid, like, rein it in where it worked? Um she obviously did. She was able to find a way, but mm. you know, it's a, it's, it's a challenge. It's a trick. When you look at year three, Tua, I think he's the most interesting quarterback going into this year, and that situation might be the most interesting. Um, I feel like a lot of folks have given him kind of a raw deal. I think he's kind of been mischaracterized, especially just where he came out as out of out of Alabama, and just with the kind of offensive line he had in front of him, and just the pass catchers out wide and. Do you think he's been properly rated to this point? Do you think he's still someone like, are you looking for a big year from Tua this year? Do you think that he's going to prove a lot of doubters wrong? Like, where are you at with Tua? Look, man, I think he's a very talented player. And I think he has been kind of poked a little bit where everyone has Mm. kind of uh, let the the arrows fly in his Mm -hmm. direction based on what everyone thought he would be compared to what he has been. And also due to the thing that Tua um, has been able to put up, I'm not to, but but like the people around him, like Justin mm. Herbert being able to have success right away. So that's put more pressure on Tua. I think this year we get an opportunity to see what he's really about. He's mm. one of the best RPO quarterbacks that I've seen in terms of mm. getting the ball out of his hands and into the hands of others. He has a calmness about his play that allows and enables his teammates to kind of rally behind him. But, you know, he has to continue to show that he can play at a high level. And so that's, that's a huge issue for me. Uh, what do you miss most about your playing days? Is there one thing in particular? Uh, I would say primetime games. Hmm. Uh, there are only certain games that you think about every, all eyes are on you. Mm. So Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, and then any playoff game. I miss hmm. the atmosphere and the energy in the stadium in those moments because it's just different, man. It's, it's unlike anything that you can experience. It is literally a gladiator moment, gladiator in the arena. You hear and feel all the things, but then you go and put it, you know, you go put it to practice, you go figure it out. You you don't 
blink when things get hard you just kind of continue to stay to the plan and eventually mm -hmm. you get there when you think about nil and where we're at do you as a former player and uh, obviously star at north carolina do you wish that nil was a thing or are you kind of grateful that you did not have to make these decisions and did not have that on your plate at 18 19 years old no i think it's great uh, i think mm -hmm. nil is great i think it levels the playing field if you have all these coaches making a ton of money and all these academic departments funding other sports mm -hmm. off football the players certainly should get uh a sliver of that yeah uh, i think there's ways to you know kind of kind of figure that part out but mm -hmm. i think you have to get in the game yeah i think for so long athletes have been kind of taken advantage of this gives mm -hmm. them an opportunity to kind of flex some of their own muscles yeah. while also kind of staying around and helping the cause so in a way to me it's like a win-win situation was football always your favorite growing up? I know a lot of football players where it's like it might have been baseball or basketball. You can learn about their upbringing. It's like I was just the best at football or that's just how it worked. Was football always your favorite and what you were best at? Uh, I wouldn't say it was always my favorite. I loved it. Hmm. But I also had a deep affinity for baseball coming up. Uh, I came up in a time in the 70s and 80s. Baseball was everything. Collecting hmm. baseball cards, uh, keeping a score on games, watching the Saturday afternoon baseball game on NBC with hmm. Joe Garagiola and those guys. That was huge. Um, at the time, the game was different. It was uh, a lot of bunting and, and mm. stealing bases. Ricky Henderson and Vince Coleman and those guys were my uh, my favorites. And so baseball mm. was always big, but I love football. There was nothing that would give me the same kind of energy and feel mm. and emotion like ball. And so it was always split between base, baseball and football, but football was always kind of like the easiest route in terms of me being able to go to college and being able to maybe play beyond college, even though I didn't think about this stuff way back at the time. Um, in terms of your future, do you see yourself coaching and doing media for the long term? I think so. Okay. Uh, right now, doing what I'm doing. I love like the media stuff that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's terrific. I think it's continuing to grow. I look forward to growing it more. Um, and then, you know, in terms of like coaching, coaching is the heart. It's, it's the, it's the passion. It's working mm. with young people. It's showing young people how to be successful. It's doing a bunch of different things um, to get uh, them out of their comfort zone so they can truly believe in themselves and what they bring to the table. And so it's a tremendous amount of fun. I probably approach it too seriously, but mm. I have a ton of fun and I do enjoy winning. And so we can <laughs> have a lot of fun when and mold some good kids. Mm. That's when you're able to do it when you have the trifecta working. Have you ever wanted to be a GM? Mm, such an interesting question. I think, yes, there's a part of me that would always, uh, that's always been fascinated by the process of building a team. Mm -hmm. But man, and, and at this stage, I would have to jump so many people to be yeah. in that. And so I think playing fantasy GM, playing uh, <laughs> no stakes. Yeah, GM from afar is fun. Don't know. You know, don't know if I okay. can do it otherwise. Do you think DJ will eventually be a GM one day? You know, like, look, man, I think he will eventually have opportunities. You know, he's mm. smart. He certainly understands the game and certainly has uh, a pedigree mm -hmm. that would enable him to kind of be in that conversation. It's a matter of really what he want to. Mm -hmm. um, right now, like you're talking about two guys that are very, very uh, comfortable and yeah. the way everything is. You're able to well, I don't want it. I love the show. So I need y'all yeah, to keep that going. So if that, get, that happens, the show's over. In get to delve into those worlds and talk to mm -hmm. great people. When you go work for a team, you lose all that. But look, man, I think 
for DJ and myself. Mm. Anytime a great opportunity presents itself, yeah, you have to at least have that conversation. So, yes. There you go. Um, 2023 draft. Is there any early guys that you have your eye on that some other folks may not have their eye on yet? No, nah, it's kind of early to get to that part. But I would say, mm. like, the quarterback class is where everyone is looking. And C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are the guys that right now kind of top it. But Is there um, anyone behind them that jumps out? Maybe a Hendon Hooker, if you will. A hidden hooker. Um, I don't. I don't know. About I don't know. Thirty-eight that. touchdowns, three picks. Super yeah. efficient. I don't yeah, know, we, we might have to wait and see see what he does, and some more big time moments. But you yeah. never know because ultimately, one thing that we've learned mm-hmm. is always somebody that comes out of nowhere. That comes yeah. from the pack that kind of emerges, and so some of those guys are look, my guy Leary from North Carolina State. Yeah, you know, I am not. I was going to say, this is wild. NC State love from Bucky Brooks. I mean, it would be like you giving the Gators love. Like, name a a couple Gators that you love that are your favorites that you have on the wall back there behind you. Give me some Gators. There's no Gators. No Gators. No Gators. I got a Kyrie Irving over stuff. Is that a a Steve Furrier son visor behind you? Is that that what it is? Is that a uh, Steve Spurrier visor? No, no, no. Is that no, the no. old ball coach? The no, old ball coach? No, no visor. No. You didn't buy that. You didn't buy that at the auction. No. no, no. No, but you'll you might like this though. You know what I got for you? I got this. I got an Air Force authentic helmet. They sent me this Air Force. Shout out to okay. the the Air Force yeah. Falcons. So okay. I got that. I mean, that's nice. That's a nice helmet. But I, you know, like. I can't a, find any Spurrier a, stuff or Florida stuff. But if I find some around the office somewhere, I'll let you know. Oh, I mean, we got to get you some of that Spurrier stuff. No, I mean, we don't need that. No, since I gave, I gave Leary, the quarterback from mm-hmm. NC State, some love, I'm sure there's a, yeah. a Gator over there somewhere that you can love up <laughs> throughout this process. I mean, I do think Richardson – apparently Vegas knows something about Richardson that everyone else doesn't know. Like, the there's something about Florida that I, – I mean, I'll be in the building for Tennessee, Florida in week four, and when I tell you that there will not be a more tense city on this planet than Knoxville, Tennessee at that time, because if you're not going to beat Florida this year – and with that rebuilding project and this and we're Napier's coming and just I, it's never going to like it just it has to happen this year if it's not any other year. And it's it's bad, uh, man. Well, I mean, you got Josh Heupel there. Like, Heupel, we do have Josh Heupel. Make, he, has to be, he has to make it right. Like maybe yeah. he can maybe he can knock on the door. Philip Fulmer. Philip Fulmer can kind of show him how to get it done. And maybe I can go back to 98. 98 is the last time you won a title, right? That is correct. Haven't been to the SEC title since 2015 or 2005. Excuse me. Yeah, it's yeah. been a little bit. Gracious, that's a hell of a drought right there. Yeah, 2010 or 2005? I think it's 2010. Yeah, yeah, because it was Eric Ainge, so I guess that'd be 2010. Uh, Or it's been a while, man. It's uh, it's been a long time. Eric Ainge was under center. There you go. That's how you feel about that. How you feel about Tennessee? I mean, Kentucky and some of those other schools passed. Kentucky, I'm not worried. Like Kentucky, they lost again last year, and Kentucky, like we can pull up that record. The South Carolina fans who are all in on uh, Beamer, Beamer ball too. Man, I was in the building uh, for Tennessee, South Carolina, where the game was over four minutes into the game. We were up, uh, I mean, just obliterating South Carolina. South Carolina's nowhere close. Like, Tennessee's not worried about South Carolina, Kentucky, whoever. Our, the only team we're worried about right now is Florida. It's just getting over the Florida hump. Like, we're sweeping Kentucky and South Carolina again. We Like, it's just, that's the one thing. All I want is the Florida victory. That's what we need. And then Pitt, we'll see what happens uh, with Keaton Slovis oh, up yeah. there. I don't know. Uh, and then, and then mm-hmm. nothing about Georgia? Georgia's, uh, that's a long-term build. That's a long-term. Oh, you Georgia, don't want to take, take down the dogs right away? You want to set your sights? So you well, want to set I don't your think it's a bronze medal? Hold on. I don't think we can. Doing. 
Georgia is in a unique situation where they should be a Death Star. The just the recruiting hotbed alone, and like there's no excuse for there's like Georgia, Texas, and USC, where it's like there should never be an excuse for these three programs to not be at the top of their game every single year. Tennessee doesn't have the players. Like I go to these high school games, like the Tennessee players, I love them mm-hmm. to death. The high school kids, they're just they're not built the same way. They're not the same five star kids. You're not uh, you cannot build a roster of juggernauts just from the state of Tennessee. We can lock down our borders, and that's great. But we still have to win some recruiting battles in North you Carolina. Have in, you have to go to mm-hmm. North Carolina, but that's not going to happen because Coach Brown's not going to let you in there. Oh, no, we're, we're good. we'll get in North Carolina. No, you, can't, you can't get in there. Like when you were good, you yeah. got, had to win part of it. You could get Charlotte yeah. uh-huh. over, but that's all done. We, we, we'd lock that down. Like the day that those days were gone with Jay Graham. Like that's it. Like no more. Like no, no more of those, those things or whatever. So it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be the drought. So I guess you're down there. Oh, wait a minute. Have you fixed the Vanderbilt problem yet? The Vanderbilt problem is fixed, yeah. The Vanderbilt problem is literally just if you lose to Vanderbilt, you're out. Like that's just like written into every contract where if you lose to Vanderbilt, you're out. Yeah, because the Vanderbilt, there, there's a little Vandy issue that you guys yeah. had for a little bit. Like, and there were coaching changes after it. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm right. trying to do. Vanderbilt's not a problem. South Carolina's not a problem. Kentucky's not a problem. Georgia's just a long term. Like my thing is like Tennessee should be Clemson. Like that's the whole thing. Is like there is no excuse that we can't be Clemson. There's no excuse. We have the money. We have the resources. We're in the recruiting hotbed. Like we can be Clemson. We can be Clemson. That's all my thing. I just want to be Clemson. That's it. Tennessee. Tennessee should be Clemson. Yes. Man, that's. You don't think so? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a tough one now because the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Tigers, Tigers have won how many titles? Two, two. They have two, two. Yeah, I think so. Two natties. Um, they've been in the conversation a ton. They've been to the playoffs a ton. Right. They own the ACC. Yeah. If you move us to the ACC with our resources, like there's no excuse for us not to be the Clemson of the ACC. I think that would immediately happen. I do believe that. Wow. I don't. SEC's yeah. tough, man. It's a tough world. I look. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go that route because I've seen people jump in. I see Lane Kiffin down there winning. They're never winning the SEC though. Like Lane knows he can never they be in the playoff. Win. Like there's still there's a there's won, a ceiling they, there. I mean, they win double digit game. Didn't they win double digits at Ole Miss? He, first time ever. The first time it. ever. So you tell me. You just Hold on. A chance. Now I'm now I'm curious. Do you think North Carolina? There's a path to a national title. In North Carolina football. Do you think there's a path? Oh sure. Oh no. Absolutely. Oh no. So absolutely. here you are going at me for Tennessee, and you're th- talking yourself there's into North Carolina doing it. There's absolutely a path for Carolina to be able to do it because okay. Carolina can do it just like Florida has been able to do it in the past because uh-huh. you have all the resources. You have that thing like because y'all can't get the players from North Carolina anymore because <laughs> Carolina locked them up. But when Carolina yeah. wins, it's because they dominate recruiting in like three areas, mm-hmm. Virginia, the Tidewater area, Virginia Beach, yeah. that area where Michael Vick and all those guys come from, mm-hmm. Lawrence Taylor and all the, that area. You get in there. We're not far. We're state, an hour and a half. The state. Mm-hmm. Of North Carolina and then South Carolina. When Carolina dominates in those areas, and when I talk about the state of South Carolina, South Carolina, a little bit in Atlanta, mm-hmm. but really you take care of the state. Like there, it's kind of like a sleeping giant there, which is why when we shut y'all out, <laughs> that's why your program has been wayward. Like that's that's what happens. But who do you want to play for? What kind of offense do you want to play in at this point? Do you want to play in that Josh Heupel offense, or do you want to play in North Carolina's offense? Is Josh Heupel's offense exciting? I'm so, the tempo. The, we're the tempo kings. Josh Everybody Job is still does. looking for Cedric Everybody. Tillman. 
Josh Job's still looking for Cedric Tillman. plays up-tempo. Everybody Not to our extreme, man. Ass. And see, you know what y'all did? Y'all gave away yeah. your secret sauce. Uh-huh. We all started changing your uniform and started doing all this silly stuff like, oh, we're going to wear black. Oh, we're yeah. going to wear smoky gray. I love those. You're Tennessee. Like, no one, look. Players like it, though. Players like it. Traditionalists. You got the checkerboard end zone. We bring him at the vault. Did you see that on the sign? Danny White's bringing back the uh, the top of Nealon, like the VOLS and the orange background, the white letters. I mean, everything. Take it all the way back to 98. Yeah. Like, y'all need something to go back to that. Like, you don't need to be fast forward. You don't need all that. You got to remember now, Charles Davis is one of my closest. And so he's Mr. Tennessee. He's great. Tennessee ring, all that other stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. y'all just need to. Just keep it simple. Big OT. How does he handle this from you? Is it? How does he handle well, this? It's all supportive. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not denigrating the volunteer program. I just feel uh-huh. like sometimes you guys get over your skis a little bit. I don't think so. I think we have the you know, pipeline in the situation whatever. that we should be. We just have high expectations for our program. We're not Ole Miss. We're not over there in Starkville. We're not Mississippi State. There's no. We can do that. There's no. There's no reason we can't. We have the resources, man. I don't. I don't, I don't know. I know. The late past summer was able to get it done in women's basketball, but that's yes. that's that's about it. That's all your. I mean, track track team, you track program. Yeah. Used to be like we just hired a good coach. Huh? Yeah. So rowing, a lot of people are like, hey, we're we're running Tennessee. it in rowing. Tennessee River, right there. Tennessee. We run like rowing. People, people tuning into your podcast <laughs> really want to hear you utter rowing. Like that's where we're at. We're at where you're going. You're going to utter rowing. Like your producer, I, I, maybe you're producing yeah. your own pod. Like somebody. Yeah. Somebody Not even worth blue wire. Out. So somebody, somebody needs to exit it out. Like no, no rowing reference. <laughs> That's come on, man. What, what are we talking about? What's wrong with rowing? Just throwing after the throwing the rowers, the rowing team under the bus here, man. Hey, rowing people are are people too. They, they are. But I, yeah. I feel like if, if you have aspirations of being <laughs> the I want to be a rowing school. Let's do that. Number one, let's lock down the rowing situation and then we'll get to football. Um, have you seen Nico as a Southern Cal guy? Like, have you seen him play up close? Cause I don't know if you saw, but we, uh, five-star, uh, quarterback coming into the fold. Many are saying if Arch Manning's name was not Arch Manning, that, uh, oh, you talking about, one. you talk about Nico from Long Beach Poly? Yes. Long Nico Ia Maliava. Yeah. I think, you know, we're in the streets that the bag was big. Oh, hold on. Hold Nico. on. No, we have no, no understanding no, of that. I, I It'll mean, never be, never out the, there. We yeah, have no idea. The, the, the name, image, and likeness. He was watching the yeah. tape, and he saw Hendon Hooker come in uh, in the middle of the year, mm-hmm. pop off, and he just saw the offense. Like, he saw Drew Locke at Mizzou with Hypel. You yeah. saw Dylan Gabriel yeah. at UCF yeah, with Hypel. Yeah, visions of 8 million yards just showing up in a career, huh? Just big visions going all the way. You know, you pass a lot of states. It's mm-hmm. a lot of states to fly over to go from L.A. to Knoxville. Yeah. See, not even Nashville. Knoxville. Yeah. Well, no one's got a Nashville. Uh, there's not a. It's, it's a not fun. I mean, it's, it's Knoxville's different breed, man. You come into a game and you have the whole student body and the whole basketball arena chanting "Nico" when you come visit. Like, it's a strong, passionate fan base. I think it's infectious. It is. I mean, all right. I mean, gosh, <laughs> I, I thought you would be all in on maybe trying to get Arch Manning. I thought you no, were I wouldn't want to replace like you don't want to do that. You don't want to follow in your uncle's footsteps at where he's just the legend at the university. You don't want to do that. You want to create your own legacy. I mean, you got you got two uncles. You got one at Ole Miss and one at Tennessee. Like, what are yeah. we talking about? Yeah, you don't go to either. So I'm saying you do your own thing. He's not going to go to either. It's either Texas or Georgia, it looks like. Mm. You got to forge your own path, man. 
I you guess. can't be following the legend like Georgia. Georgia, Georgia doesn't even like good quarterbacks. Like Georgia I've, doesn't want. They don't even want. They, like he, he now it took us to players. the end of this podcast and we got it. Now we're on the same page where I'm like I don't understand why any five star quarterbacks are still signing up for this. Georgia's already got two sitting in the wing: Brock Vandegrift and uh, what's the kid who uh, Gunner Stockton. Like when who's the lesser? Whoever the lesser one is is going to be the one that's going to be the starter because yeah. Kirby doesn't. He doesn't want it to be a quarterback driven deal. It's all mm. about the running game and the defense. That's why they went, just like yeah. Alabama. Like until you get to that, like that's that's what. Do it's you think about. Stetson gets drafted? Stetson been drafted. Yeah. Do you think he gets drafted? Like, does Ooh, someone take a flyer uh, on him in the second round? Maybe, round? maybe, maybe there's maybe, maybe, Gosh, maybe. <laughs> I don't want to discount it. Okay. Man. I don't want to discount him because if he wins again, then I feel like a ding dong. Um, He's not, they're not he, winning he, again. Saban's only gone back to back once. Like you're not, they're not winning again. It's not Saban. It's, it's Kirby Smart. I know you're not going back to back. Why not? Awful. Like they're not going back to back. Now they're already penciled into the championship game. But they're not in the SEC championship game. And I mean, so they yeah, they're probably in there. Three games. Yeah. They only have to win three games. Yeah, but that's that might I mean, be no. those three games is Bama potentially, or it's like A and M. And you have to be A&M, then Bama, then Ohio State. Like, just three. It's it's unlikely. It's unlikely they run that gauntlet. Wait a minute. That would be mm-hmm. like saying that three teams are in the playoff. You are in the SEC. You got to get out. You got to get No, out what I'm saying is like the SEC team, like SEC title, if they play A&M in the SEC title game, they get through uh-huh. that, and then they might get Bama in round one, the playoff, oh, and then they okay. have, get Ohio State in the final. Like, that's just, that's a gauntlet, man. That's a gauntlet. I mean. It's unlikely. Just like Tennessee baseball, where... People expected them to just be perfect forever. It's just unlike you just can't do it. You can't win every single series. You can't. You can only greatness has its limits. Does it? Yeah, Sizzle. greatness. Sizzle, where'd you get that from? Greatness, seen that? greatness has its seen limits, that. Bucky. Is that, no. Oh my god, man! You, look, we gotta get you to aim higher. Mm. <laughs> Next time I go to Boston, you gotta aim higher because I know down in Alabama, like there are no limits on the now national titles that they're willing to win. Yeah, and I said if they don't win one, I need you to kind of raise your standard. I'm just beaten down, man. Yesterday was brutal for me. Yesterday was hard, Bucky. Like that was that was a tough. Like just the way the basketball season ended and football season ended with the the craziness against Purdue, um, the baseball season. It's just been rough. Like Tennessee, we're we're doing everything well, but not we still have that last little bit to get off. I think they call it championships. That's our last little thing we got to get through there. Yeah, well maybe y'all can get that worked out. <laughs> Bucky, this has been great. I I've had a blast talking to you today. Um, how do the good folks uh, check out your work this week? I know we got moved the sticks. New program coming out this week, or are y'all taking the week off? Yeah, no, 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 no. We know we we'll take time off. No, so move the sticks. Uh, mm-hmm. This week, you can check us out on the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can always hit me up at Bucky Brooks on Twitter. Um, I'm always around. I'm always floating out there in the verse, so I'm there. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Bucky, thank you so much for the time. I greatly appreciate it. We'll have to check back in again soon. All right, All right y'all. That'll do it for hour one here on the Tuesday, June 14th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Mills Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Thank you again to NFL Network's Bucky Brooks for coming on hour one here on the program. Greatly appreciate it. And I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. If you did, uh, please make sure you uh, keep up with uh, Bucky's work all across NFL Network, the Move the Sticks podcast and everything in between. Bucky was great and just 
great dude. So, uh, fantastic having him on the podcast today. Um, don't forget if you enjoyed this episode and you've not already done so, and you're an Apple podcast or Spotify listener, make sure before you, uh, leave this episode, you leave this show, a five-star rating and a review on Apple podcasts or Spotify, uh, hour two coming up in just one second with, uh, former George Washington head basketball coach, Jamie on Christian coming up in just one second. Uh, right here on this feed, Chase Thomas Podcast on the Blue Hour Pod Network, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, TuneIn, iHeart, wherever it is, the Chase Thomas Podcast will be there. So tune in, uh, check it out, make sure you subscribe so you get access to all of my episodes and everything we got going on here on the Chase Thomas Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. All right, Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.